We represent you. Take the short side again. Tupo away. Tedesco pulled it in. This time it's Kiri in support. We feel you by your presence. Via Rooster. Joseph Manu, a try that only Manu could score. Rooster! 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 Well, Roosters fans, like some of our Roosters faithful, Silky and I headed down to Amy Park in Melbourne. And it wasn't to be, we didn't get the chocolates, but Bells and Silky... I thought it was a great game, especially by our boys in the first half. We seemed to run out of petrol. We had a few injuries. There was some controversy about our young charges. And we've blooded some new, fresh young players who've come into the first grade scene and really made a good account of themselves. I don't think as Roosters fans, we can be unhappy with that performance. There's things we can be unhappy about, but we won't get into the weeds there. Bells and Silky, welcome to this week on Roosters Radio. How'd you see it? Hey boys, how are you going? Good to be here. I wasn't privileged enough to get down there on Friday night with you two lads down to Amy Park. I had some money. Um... i start answering the phone more, Melinda. It's <laughs> a fair point, Bells. Could have got you in. <laughs> now, so I'm going to hand it over to you. What was it like down there? What was the atmosphere like? What was Amy Park like? Yeah, well, I made my uh, Amy Park debut. I hadn't been there before. And uh, look, you're really close to the action down there. Very similar to Bank West, as a matter of fact. Uh, we were in a box courtesy of the Icon Group, so special shout out to uh, the Tahan family who uh, looked after us down there in Melbourne. And I have to say, Bush, just to back you up, that first half performance, I mean, there was the, the sim bidding of Victor Radley, more on that later, but, you know, the boys, they hung in there. They tackled like their lives depended on it. 4-0 at half time. Melbourne had a couple of opportunities to go for repeat sets of six, but uh, opted to take the two points. So I think the Roosters would have walked off at half time with their heads held on and say, we're up to this to our eyeballs. As you rightfully said, Bush, all that defence in the first half, it took its toll in the end uh, and some probably soft tries through the middle, Harry Grant's one in particular. But I think all in all, uh, you know, we lost two of our big front rowers too with JWH going off with a bad shoulder and Siwa with uh, a rib injury. So all in all, the boys can keep their heads up and uh, on to the next game. Yeah, I think so, Silky, and uh, it's it's a great atmosphere down there. And a big shout-out to George and Greg DeHaan. Thank you very much for your great hospitality. Lovely to meet young Jess DeHaan, probably our new, new favourite. But uh, moving on to the football, what a great atmosphere it is down there. They put it on well, Melbourne. It's a purpose-built football ground for our Roosters fans who are interested in getting down there. It's an excellent way to watch the footy, uh, you know, down that home ground. It's, it's you know, like a mini Suncorp. But our boys just, they held on so well. I was I walked away. I mean, you can't be unhappy with a performance like that. You're not happy about being beaten, but that's footy. But I just think right across the park, we put in some solid performances, tried our guts out. One player in particular I have to separate from the pack is Victor Radley had uh, eyes rolling his head Friday night. He was unbelievable. I thought he was just exceptional in defense. I thought he was highly aggressive. I thought he was up for the game. And he showed all the qualities of a true young leader. I thought, yeah, he got 10 minutes in the bin. That was unfortunate. You've seen over the weekend the inconsistency. We're not here to talk or judge that. It's not our job. But um, what I will tell you is, my God, Victor has arrived. He's always been a bit of an enforcer, or the inflictor as they're calling him. But just in that leading role like Jared Weir Hargraves, like he's taken it to him, which wasn't his go before. He was always making a big tackle when needed. Saw last year with Tapao. Last Friday night, uh, you know, he's put on some big defense. But it's just the way he was charging at the line, the way he was talking to the players. It was excellent. 
I tell you who I've got big wraps on and I saw a lot of emotion on and unfortunately did get injured, but Siwa had a great game when yeah. he was on the park. He made an outstanding tackle on our own line when Victor was in the bin. Mm. Him and Drew came up with a try-saving tackle and he actually showed emotion after it. You don't get a lot of yeah. emotion from him, yep. but he was pumped and I just I thought he had a great game. I think, you know, all our middles aimed up there the other night and they had to. We knew that the Storm... Big forward pack. They were going to come and try and, you know, dominate through the middle. Ben Marchke, you know, the new hooker, 48 tackles, very friend-like yeah. in defence. I thought Lindsay Collins as well stood up, particularly after uh, we lost Siwa and JWH. So, look, few injuries. I've got to say, we didn't get the rub of the green. You know, we're not here to criticise referees. As you say, Bush, you know, the 10 minutes in the bin, well, you know, it's a lottery if you review all the, the matches over the weekend, but disappointing that he got the 10. And I just have to say that, yeah, you know, if it was a forward pass here or there, line in the ruck, we just didn't seem to be able to get those 50-50 calls, and that happens in football. But as I said, the boys can keep their heads up and uh, on to the next one, which is probably the biggest NRL match of the year. I definitely think you could tell we had the rookies out there. The errors were high. A lot of errors in that first half, or well, throughout the whole game, actually. But um, also to give errors away like that when costly we do, ones, bells, yeah. When we do have twelve men on the field and to hand the ball over, you know, they're young, they're yeah. young blood. They're going to improve with it. They're going to take it forward into the next game and exciting things to come. Yeah, I think Coach Robinson's got the opportunity. Like you know, for every problem, the injuries to CUR and JWH, obviously, you know, they're big middles. They're very experienced and exciting, like Melbourne. Wow, they're just, you know, take them out of any side and it's it's danger. But I thought Sam Walker was pretty steady, you know, at yeah. halfback. I don't think we had big expectations. I think he made a count for himself in defence. Everyone was worried about the big Melbourne Fords constantly charging him all night. And they did. And I thought he was really, really good as well. Beamos was a late exclusion as well. So Matty Cavallo, glad to see he scored a try. I was really happy we actually scored a try. Like 20 nil just wasn't a true indication of the game. You know, Jamos, who's this week's guest on Roosters Radio, unluckily spilt the ball in the first couple of minutes. Who knows what impact that would have had on the game. There's another one too, Teddy dropped the ball uh, with a line open. So, you know, a few little errors crept in, uh, you know, missing touch, just things like that didn't help ourselves. I just looked down at the injury list at the moment, and it's fair to say eight of our starting 17 are sitting on the sideline. So you're right, Bush, you know, we are blooding plenty of young players. Toops played well. Yeah. Bmos out. Toops backed it up like last week, backed it up. He topped the run meters for the game. So that was outstanding. But you know what I loved, boys? Something different. There were lots of bums out there. <laughs> the old footy shorts, they just kept falling off. I didn't know what was going on. We had Jmos and then yeah. we had Teddy. Yeah, bit, I bet they're a bit embarrassed about that. <laughs> a bit partial to a bit of that, Bells, obviously. It's something we discuss on our uh, evening show. You two uh, are stunned. Roosters yeah. after dark. Roosters after dark. <laughs> Oh, Cox in the evening, I said. <laughs> <laughs> now, guys, just away from the football from a moment, TJ Perinara, all black scrum half, mm -hmm. plenty of talk in the media this week and last week, as a matter of fact, uh, about his impending arrival at the club. Joining us in the box on Friday night was a former all black, Andrew Blowers. I think he may have something to do with the Melbourne system, but we actually asked him about TJ Perinara and said, you know, what? how do you think he'd go in rugby league? And, uh, you know, he mentioned he played a bit of league as a young bloke. I mean, the service that a number nine in rugby union gives their outside backs is second to none. Don't know what's happening there, but I'm looking forward to seeing TJ Perinara in the tricolours. Your thoughts? I think it's going to be very interesting to see it. We see a lot of our players switch code and go to union and adapt well. I personally haven't seen a lot switch the other way back. So I'm really interested to see it. 
Well, there's a couple I can rattle off. So Brett Papworth, who was an absolute star for the Wallabies, came across to the Roosters in about 88, 89 with another player called Michael Cook. Matt Burke's another one who, when he came across, had a great uh, rugby league career. There's quite a few. And, of course, we can go back all the way to Russell Fairfax. Kenny Wright played in the 1980s Roosters grand final team. We're actually going to speak to him in an upcoming show. Uh, you know, great 5'8", local junior as well. So there are backs who've made the transition. doesn't really happen in the forwards. But uh, I'm hoping to see TJ Perinara. I believe he's playing rugby in Japan. But if you read the papers and believe what's written, uh, looks like we might be getting him, and I'm really looking forward to it. That's exciting. I exciting. That's what we need. If we can get him, great. Let's hope we can bag him. So, Bush Bells, where do you see him playing? Do you throw him in number nine because there's a bit of a, a gap there, or does he play in the seven? Where Where would you like to see uh, TJ Perinara? The nine for me. Yeah, we me need, too. We need a nine. Taking nothing away from Ben Marshke, but he's young. Uh, however, I just think that tough, gritty hooker at the moment we need just to replace Friendy. Do you know who he reminds me of? And I've watched a bit of him in the All Blacks because my father-in-law's a mad All Black you know, fan and obviously Kiwis. Is he reminds me a little bit of the cheese, the Melbourne hooker, who's that sort of cheeky yet exciting, like fast, mm. skillful. He's got to raise the energy, I believe. Like what I love is if he, if he gets to our club, and let's hope he does, he's going to raise the energy of the team and the players. And, and right now, I think with a bit of flatness and you're coming up with the Anzac Day game, the injuries that it's taken its toll and everything else that goes on in rugby league, if we can get him, he will be someone that will be a turning point for our club. It's a bit like bringing a version of Cooper Cronk in. Interesting you say the cheese bush because uh, he was on our sister show, Matty Johns, last night. He was. Talking about TJ Perinara and they've been in contact. So he's been following the game intently and asking, you know, a, a few players by the sounds of things uh, for some advice and input. So when you see and hear that kind of stuff, you kind of think maybe, uh, you know, the writing's on the wall. He'll be in the Roosters sooner rather than later. Well, watch this space, Roosters fans. It's an exciting time to be a rooster. Who knows? Bells. What's also exciting is this week's guest, a fantastic player of the game of rugby league. He's synonymous. He's got great family history. He's done everything in the game. He's highly regarded and highly respected. He's a great mentor to young men. Geez, we want to sign him until he's about 80. Yes, Roosters fans, we are in for a treat. We have got Jay Moz this week, so we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Roosters Radio. And joining us now, well, people say he's at the twilight of his career, but I think he's playing as good as ever for uh, the red, white and blue. Great honour to welcome Josh Morris to Roosters Radio. Welcome, Josh. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Thanks for the uh, nice words. <laughs> Mate, Bush and myself were lucky enough to head down to Melbourne on Friday night. Looked like you scored early, but besides that, I thought our first half, geez, we were valiant. We just stuck in there. Your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I think particularly defensively, we... Uh, we were very valiant. Yeah, they had a lot of ball on our trial line and we just kept on repelling them. Uh, they managed to get two penalty goals. Um, but yeah, didn't like the way we attacked, but our defence was, was uh, really good. And then in that second half, that defence in that first half probably took a toll on us and, and they broke us down and through the middle of there and managed to get some late tries. What did Robbo say at half time? Because when you left the field, I know we were, we were in the box and we went, geez, they must be going in, you know, with their, their heads held high because there was a couple of opportunities where they could have gone for the try, but they went for the two points. Yeah, we felt like we are on top yeah, uh, of the, the mental battle. Like you said, they took penalty goals instead of um, instead of taking the tap. And when you have a team doing that, you certainly feel like you're on top. Um, at halftime, we spoke about just getting an even percentage possession of the ball there. And 
we thought we could score some points and get away with the win, but like I said, in that second half, we probably fell away, and then, um, yeah, they were just too good for us in the end, so a few lessons learnt there. And it was good that we at least got on the scoreboard, albeit very late, but a, a try nonetheless. Yeah, you always want to get on the scoreboard, so that was a design play, and it's good to see those things come off. As Silky mentioned earlier, Josh, you nearly got over in the first half. How badly winded were you? You looked pretty crook there. Yeah, that was um, <laughs> that was the worst one I've ever had. Wow. Mm. I've been winded yeah, right. a few times, and normally I just put my legs up in the air and can try and get my breath back mm. pretty quickly, but then when that didn't happen the first time... Um, yeah, I actually started panicking quite a bit and thought I might have swallowed my tongue because I normally <laughs> wow. would have been able to breathe and then eventually a little bit of air got in and then it started mm. to settle again. But it's one of those things where you roll around on the ground like a pork chop and then you you get <laughs> sweet a minute and a half later. So, um, yeah, it was definitely scary and, and the wife was a bit worried for, for a minute there, but that's all good now. When you are injured like that after scoring a try, do you ever get worried like you're going to get absolutely hammered by the team in the celebrations? Does it ever enter your mind like, hang on, guys, just keep yeah, away no, for a second? I think they noticed pretty quick. Mm. Uh, Gussie went to go and pick me up and, yeah, I was rolling around and he knew something was wrong something. there. Mm. So, um, yeah, they gave me my space and, yeah, needed it at that stage. Talking about self-preservation, mate, as you've gone on and progressed through your career, do you approach training different? Um. Yeah, I think you you're smarter around it. I think you you get yourself in here a lot earlier than some blokes do, and do a lot more preparation, um, getting your body right, so that when you get out on the training paddock, you can train to the standard you want to uphold. So, and then recovery, uh, a lot more emphasis on recovery, and I think the game's headed that way as well. Um, gone are the the days where if you lost a game two days later, you'd be on the training paddock doing an hour cardio session because uh, the coach wasn't happy with you. Um, yeah, those days are long gone and it's more about the, the recovery process because the game is uh, certainly faster and it takes a lot more out of you. You've got the notebook there in front of you. When you first started out as a young bloke at the Dragons, I, I dare say they, no one was carrying notebooks around. No, I used to do little bits of video here and there, but um, yeah, there wasn't as much emphasis on on what it is now and you know here we do a fair bit at the roosters and it's always good to write down stuff and and look back on it and do your own mini reviews to see where you can get better throughout the week and then throughout the year as well just on that starting at the dragons and to where you are right now what is the biggest change that you've noticed in the game today Oh, it would be the speed of the game. Mm. Um, you know, it's definitely a lot faster. Even like the jumpers, the jumpers are a lot tighter. Yep. Um, they used to be a lot looser <laughs> back in the days. And I think we need to get more footy shorts too uh, after the weekend. We saw some bums on Friday night. <laughs> yeah, there's a big crack in mine. But, uh, yeah, no, it's definitely got faster the game. But I would say that the emphasis on, on recovery has been the biggest transition. As I said, the game's hard enough as it is, so... You know, you don't really see yourself doing too many fitness sessions on a week or, or a six-day turnaround these days, and it's all about getting your, yourself physically and mentally prepared for the next week. Mm-hmm. Relationship with your brother. Now, I know you play opposite sides of the field, but, you know, midweek, do you guys have much of a chat do you, or do you see enough of each other at training? You know, on a scene <laughs> to a game day? No, we see enough of each other. Uh, obviously, we come into training every morning together and, yeah, we just talk all things footy life and then on the weekends, um, you know, we normally catch up and the kids play with each other as well. So we don't really get sick of each other. It's, yeah, it's just one of those things. 
Now, there's been talk that you guys obviously are so close and being twins, but just recently you're not a package deal. It was discussed that, you know, if you do move on further, you know, next year playing or retirement or whatever comes, are you looking to go further with your career? What happens if Brett says, I'm done, I'm going to hang the boots up this season? What are your thoughts? Oh, look, at the end of the day, it's both of our decisions. We've both got families and, you know, if we both feel like we're – ready to give up football and spend more time with our family, we'll definitely do that. But you know, I think we both said that we'll probably make a decision halfway through the season, mm-hmm. uh, see how our bodies are feeling physically and mentally, where our headspace is at with it, whether or not we think we can play on another year. I guess it's just that old cliche at the moment. It's just enjoying it week for week and going out there and trying our best week in, week out and mm-hmm. trying to do the, the jumper some justice. Away from footy, you, you talked about you know what what happens after football, but I believe you're studying carpentry. How, how do you go with the nail bag and the the hammering toe? Uh yeah, there's parts of it that are challenging, and sometimes it takes a, a bit to get my head around it. Obviously, because we're not on on the side every day. So, but the teachers there at um, Guy Me have been really good um, with us, and it's been really enjoyable. Um, we're in our third year now, uh, so we've got three more terms left, and then. Um, we'll have to go on site and then eventually become fully qualified carpenters. So uh, it's been it's been really good. It's uh, it's a good balance. Um, it helps you take your mind off footy as well, and I find it helps you play better. So yeah, I, I tell all the young kids these days, you know, education's probably one of the most important things for your footy. It's it's about having a good balance, and yeah, you typically see that players do play better when they got a an outlet. Um, rather than just thinking about football all the time. I've got to ask, we interviewed Lindsay Collins the other week, who I think he's in his seventh year of his carpentry apprenticeship, but he's also studying at university. You know, is, is university something you, you looked at as well? Or And the other part of that question is, do you think Lindsay Collins could graduate university? <laughs> if it's taken him seven years. <laughs> no, I think I think he's uh, he's enjoying it, and I think he's only just started at, at the uni but, yeah, he said he's really enjoying that. I actually went to uni fresh out of school. I was doing my PE teaching degree. At that stage, they weren't as accommodating as what they are now to, right. to mm. athletes, and it was kind of a, of a decision whether you either choose uni or you choose football. So at that stage in, in my life, football was more important than uni. So I managed to do nearly half of a PE teaching degree. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure if I'd go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> Since you've been at the club and... We've lost a few of our leaders in, you know, Luke Keary, Frenny, of course. The boys tell me that you and your brother have stepped into that leadership role. How are you enjoying that? Yeah, oh, look, it's it's one of those things as you as you get older, you just kind of fall into. And, you know, for the last probably three or four years, it's been more enjoying mentoring um, young players and just trying to help them out and, you know, try and de-stress them a bit. As I said, you know, like when you're young, sometimes football can be, the only thing you think about, so it's about trying to try and help them and mentor them along the way and try and get them to play their best footy as well. So I really enjoy that side of, of the game as well now that I've been a bit older. And who were the mentors that you had coming through the grades? I was lucky enough, Paul McGregor was at the Dragons. He was the strength and conditioning coach, but he took me under his wing and taught me a lot of things um, when I was coming through. At the Bulldogs, I was lucky enough to have blokes like uh, Luke Patton, Andrew Ryan, who took me under their wing as well, and Brett Kamali. So, 
you know, those types of blokes, um, they'd done everything. They'd played for their countries and state. And, yeah, you just listen to them and take little bits of advice here and there. And as you get older, you, you kind of do the same to the young fellas. So, Josh, uh, with your carpentry and your full-time football career, you have a beautiful family at home as well. You have a son and a daughter. What do you like doing off the field when you're not doing your carpentry studies and when you're not playing football? Oh, just spending time with them. Mm. Um, yeah, I love it when they come to the football. You know, Kelly's three years old and she loves cheering out, go the Woosters. So, <laughs> oh, that's she, a bit cute. <laughs> um, she knows some of the boys in the team as well, so... Uh, she really gets a kick out of coming and the, the little fella, um, seeing him in the sheds after the games, he's, he's pretty tired. But when he sees me, his face lights up. And, you know, those, those are some of the memories that I'll remember. But, yeah, away from that, it's just spending time with the family and Brett's not far down the road either. So whenever our kids can hang out together, it's pretty cool. So you have your little boys one. Yep. Any more to come? Uh, yeah, we <laughs> just put you on the spot. We're, we're deciding uh, at, at this stage. Um, we kind of thought we'd have four, and then we had one, and <laughs> it's got straight down to three, and now we've had two. But Callie has already said to to my wife Elise that she wants a, a sister. So oh, there I we think, go. Uh, I think yeah, I think we'll be leaning to to having one more, yes. and then. Um, yeah, but hopefully it's not not twins or anything. No. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Josh, just a quick one from me. Uh, I was actually the ball boy when your old man was playing at the Roosters in the, in the late eighties. You just talked about your son and going in the dressing room. Have you got any memories being a young bloke with you and your brother going to the be at the SCG or Henson Park or yeah, anything like that? I don't have too many. I was saying I can remember one game that Dad played at Henson Park. I remember him, you know, walking around the Oval. It might even be in his last game, but walking around the Oval and, and seeing him in his, his rooster's kit and, get, and people getting um, signatures and, you know, thinking that was pretty cool. But he did have a video of all his tries. It's on YouTube now if you look it yeah. up. That yeah. was a video that me and Brett used to watch pretty much every day. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was pretty cool and yeah, you know, hopefully I can have something like that for my kids to watch as well. You've got plenty of highlights, remember. mate. You've got plenty of highlights <laughs> and hopefully more to come. Now, moving forward to this week, super important game, Anzac Day match, Roosters v. Dragons. You haven't played for the Roosters on this day, but you have for the Dragons. Talk us through the experience and why it's different. Yeah, the whole week's pretty special. I mean, you you get people in you know from defense force backgrounds and they talk about their experiences and you know the similarities between you know football and and the way that they are and operate and um and then you get to the to the game and there's so much tradition around it you know you get the the flyover and uh the helicopter landing and yeah, it's all really really cool and it's one of those i guess one of those games that you circle in the calendar when when you first start the year as, as one you want to be a part of. And uh, it definitely feels like a, a finals intensity type of game. And, you know, they're the games that you always want to be in the thick of. So uh, I think both teams, you know, having played for the Dragons, you know, that was one you'd look forward to. And it's certainly one that I'm uh, looking forward to playing this weekend. Just on that, sharing your experience on Anzac Day, uh, what would be your other highlight of your career? Oh, there's probably a few, but probably uh, my first test for Australia. It was against France in in Paris, which was pretty cool. But uh, standing next to to Brett when uh, the Aussie anthem was playing, just mm. you know, two kids 
just playing backyard footy pretty much our whole life and then being able to play first grade together um, and then, you know, being able to play for Australia the highest honour you can have and doing it together, yeah, that was something that I'll never forget. Something very special to yeah, share together. Definitely. Who's the fastest? <laughs> well, I'm 10 minutes older, so I always say that I'm the fastest. <laughs> yeah, uh, you got there quicker. Yeah, so, um, no, nah, I think he'd probably have me, but he's a bit lighter than me, I I enjoy my food. I got the seconds growing up. That's why he's a bit smaller than me. <laughs> Mate, we've really enjoyed having you in here on Roosters Radio. Best of luck on the weekend and best of luck for the rest of the season. Thanks for joining us on Roosters Thanks, Radio. Guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, mate. Welcome back to Roosters Radio. Now, Sunday afternoon, the most important NRL game in our club's calendar will be taking place. Roosters taking on the Dragons in our Anzac Day clash. Now, much has been said about the jersey this year, the light blue colour, or as we like to call it, the Bondi blue, but there's a very interesting story about how that jumper came about. And to learn more, we're talking to Bush's mum. That's right. Carolyn Dunn, the daughter of club legend Dick Dunn, who in 1945 scored 19 of the Roosters' 22 points in a huge victory over the Tigers. Welcome to Roosters Radio, Carolyn. How are you going? Yeah, really well, thanks, Belinda. Yourself? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Now, it's uh, this Sunday is the game against the Dragons. It's the Anzac Day game that we're all really looking forward to. Carolyn, you have a lot of history with the Roosters Club. Your father, the famous Dick Dunn, played in the 40s when they wore this beautiful Bondi blue jersey. Can you enlighten us with this history and uh, just give us your stories? Yeah, sure. Um, They wore the pale blue uh, jersey in the 40s uh, and particularly in the 45 grand final because of the fact that they couldn't get the navy blue dye that they wanted. They used to at that stage have a red, white and blue stripe going around the body, but they couldn't get the dark blue dye because it was being used by the Air Force. They'd commandeered all the ink that was available all around Australia and anywhere else they could get it. So thus the uh, pale blue jersey was born. But I think it's a very elegant jersey, quite frankly. I actually like it as well. There was we all a fair, agree. Yeah, there was a fair bit of feedback. Actually, I noticed on a thread that um, you actually commented on, there was a lot of negative feedback about the jersey. But once you actually placed that comment, a lot of people came back on and said, oh, wow, we didn't actually know the history of the jersey. I think people just thought that it was a design that we've come up with. And, um, I mean, it did come out in 2008 and 2009 a little bit, but I think a lot of people just thought it was the design. But once you explain the history of it, I was actually interested in what people were saying to that. Yes, no, that's true. I think that they, a lot of people don't know the history of uh, East, so I think that that's, uh, you know, sort of important to be able to let them know what uh, actually sort of occurred. Now, Carolyn, your dad, Dickie Dunn, club legend, but, you know, playing during wartime, uh, I'm led to believe that your old man did enlist in the war, but because he was such a good footballer, he, he didn't see any theatre. That's exactly right. He was due to go to Jackano Bay with his battalion, but unfortunately his army captain or colonel had sort of pulled him back and said, look, I want you to organise a game against the Navy. And we've got to um, beat these bees. I won't say the word that he used. You can say bastards. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and in later life when we were sort of going, uh, you know, out uh, to, to the games or going anywhere, people would stop him in the street and say, look, Dick, 
I don't know how we would have got through this war unless we had the the game, not necessarily just my father, but the, the team, uh, the East team, you know, to boost up their morale because I t- tell you what, going to those games at the sports grounds in those days was just unbelievable. As a matter of fact, I think they camped on the sports ground at some stage. Uh, my uncle actually went to Darwin and my father made a request to go with him after he was knocked back for Jackanoe Bay uh, and they refused him to actually go. Now, the uncle was quite a good boxer and he'd gone up to Darwin with his schoolmate he'd known since he was five and they bombed Darwin, as I think you're aware. Mm. Uh, they bombed the post office and they uh, sort of uh, just jumped into sort of the nearest hole they could possibly find and my uncle was talking to his mate, oh, God, you know, Fred, we should certainly miss that and all this business, and turned around to find that the uh, the uh, Fred had unfortunately been killed. Wow. So, you know, it, it's rather, you know, rather sad. Uh, so I'm glad in a way that my father sort of didn't go, but he was still, he served in uh, Schofield um, on the searchlights and he had to sort of find some sort of transport uh, down to the training uh, every, twice a week. So that was, that was a, an absolute monster effort uh, in those days. There was no sort of hire cars or no Ubers to sort of drive him around the town. <laughs> well, I'm sure he gave a lot of people hope in playing football in those sad times of war. So, you know, it must have been um, he was an outstanding player. I've heard a little rumour that he had a little luck on the day uh, of the grand final when he scored his 19 points out of the 22 that the Roosters got over the Tigers. Uh, Can you tell us that story? Uh, Yes. They uh, were playing Balmain and um, the captain was Ray Steer. Uh, and Ray didn't want to give my father any kicks for some reason. I'm not, just not quite sure what the story was there. I could never even find out in later life, although they seemed to be great mates. But uh, my father sort of looked at him pleadingly, and uh, he gave him the nod, yes, okay. So the first uh, goal went over the post, etc. Uh, and from that minute on, you know, Ray sort of said, okay, Dick, you're doing the kicking. Uh, so my father did the kicking and also to uh, scored the tries, etc., to make up the 19 out of the 22 points. Uh, somebody mentioned to me the other day that they should have a, a day called Dick Gun Day. He'd be absolutely um, just so shy about this because he wasn't a person to um, to promote himself. He was sort of just a worker. He'd just sort of, you know, do his uh, job and away he went, whether it was with East Leagues, whether it was the Rugby League, uh, you know, club, whether it was the Australian Rugby League, he'd uh, just sort of put his head down, bottom up and away he'd go and he'd get the, the job done. Is it true that he may have had a little good luck charm tucked away in his sock on the day, Carolyn? Yes, he used to have, <laughs> wear, have a, well, I'm giving away my age when I tell you this, aren't I? Um, he used to always just pin with two nappy pins, uh, they don't have nappy pins nowadays, but with two nappy pins he used to sort of um, pin my pink booty just inside his uh, his uh, jumper, just over his heart, etc. He called it the good luck charm, oh, etc. that's amazing. For such a tough football player and he's got his little daughter's booty pinned on his jersey, that's outstanding. I love that story. 
Well, when I you know, talked to her about it in later life, I said to him, oh, my goodness, I'm amazed because if you got, you know, heavily tackled, you know, the pins could undo and it would go straight through your heart. And he said, oh, I didn't didn't mind. It was just you my good luck charm. So, um, you know, he, he, he just he just loved, you know, wearing it. He loved playing the game. He loved every aspect of the game. Now, Carolyn, the wives and partners of the players had a big role to play back then, not only supporting their husbands, but also washing the jerseys, and I believe there's an interesting yarn about one particular day where uh, one of the uh, one of the players accidentally left a jock strap with his uh, washables. Can you share that story? Well, East was sort of, I think, going financially not too well at that stage, so they decided what they'd do is they'd get the wives uh, to divide up the jumpers, and you know, like six or eight, whatever it was, and bring them home and wash. And didn't have these modern... Uh, whiz-bang washing machines in those days, you had coppers. So mum set the copper up, you know, and she sort of put the jumpers in it, etc. And anyway, she merrily, she put the two cans of the condensed milk in at the bottom of the uh, copper so that she could make caramel for the tart that she'd, uh, base she'd repaired. Uh, people always are shocked at that. They say, oh, I can't believe it. What, you poured condensed milk in? I say, no, you put the whole can in, and if you boil it up for, you know, two hours, it, it turns into caramel. But anyway, be that as it may. That's why no, Bush loves caramel. When she pulled the jumpers out with the copper stick, which I've got upstairs, it's wearing thin now, uh, well, there was a jock strap attached to the sleeve of one of the jumpers and unfortunately it turned out bright luminous pink um so you see oh my god what am i going to do with this dick nothing would take the the pink out of this particular jock strap so i think that you know it was just uh discarded in those days you didn't discard thing everything was precious even you know shoelaces for sand shoes for training and things like that everything was precious but this thing had to go it was uh you know uh, too luminously pink to send it back to the player. Now, Carolyn, your father is a legend at the club, and my my dad shares a story where he was in, uh, I think it was President's Cup or under twenty threes, and they lost a grand final, and your dad was an administrator and would go around and shake hands and congratulate all the players. But as a as a young woman sitting there in the stands at the old sports ground, what's your fondest memory? My fondest memory is sitting just to the right of the tunnel as the players came out. And I always used to sit with Per Scalia because uh, he was a, uh, a friend of my father's. I think they're all friends in those days. Um, and um, he used to have five or six minders around. He'd send the minders off for a soft drink or he'd send them to buy the doubles and things like that. And uh, my father said, I'll be safe with Perth. And I used to sort of sit there looking at all these, you know, diamond rings on every finger. On one of his <laughs> fingers, I think he had two or three. Um, but he was such a lovely man. I mean, apart from his uh, alleged activity, I think he was just great. Um, so uh, I, I really sort of, you know, enjoyed that time. But the time I think that, you know, I was just felt elated is the fact that I always used to mind Tony Paskin's glasses. And if it came out of the tunnel, I'd be sort of leaning over the wire fence, grab them. And then Jack Gibson came out on one occasion and he said, Oh, Christ, I've forgotten. I've got my teeth in. So with that, um, I got Mum's lace handkerchief out of the bag. She was horrified. And um, sort of grabbed Jack's, uh, you know, teeth and sort of minded them until after the game. He said, oh, you're a lifesaver, kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's gold. <laughs> oh, wow. But they were the days. We used to have 
what I'd say is afternoon teas, but they weren't just afternoon teas with a scone and a you know arid biscuit. They were sort of catered for. And there's an old tin shed behind the entrance to the sports ground, um, opposite the um, the barracks. And uh, we used to have this catered by Ron Jones of Kieron, and he'd have just the most elaborate things you could possibly imagine. And we'd invite the uh, opposing team and their officials, plus our officials, et cetera, and a few, you know, selected sort of, you know, people to come along and sort of, you know, have this afternoon tea. And it was a great camaraderie. That's the thing I think we're missing nowadays where, you know, you've got Biff and Bash and, you know, what have you. Uh, I think even in those days, we even invited the referees. I think in these days, if we invited the referees, especially last week's game, I'd probably be, you know, giving him uh, um, something that gave him the runs. A few choice words. Well, Carolyn, look, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure our fans will too. I mean, it's not very often you get to hear names like Per Scalier and Jack Gibson and, and, and your father. Thank you so much for sharing a few stories about the old days of the Roosters and uh, really appreciate your time today. No, that's a pleasure. But before I go, I must say this to you, that, um, that when we talk about Anzacs, we also talk about the World War One, And East lost a quite a number of, uh, you know, really fantastic players, but there's a link uh, with this particular uh, player, uh, as far as my father was concerned. Um, his uncle died in uh, the Battle of the Somme in 1915. And interestingly, this really interesting player who'd played uh, quite a couple of tests for Australia, etc., called Bob Tidyman. He um, was also killed by a sniper uh, on that battle. And he, like my uncle, uh, who was called Richard Alfred Dunn, uh, has no known grave. So, I mean, we've got to pay tribute not only to the Second World War uh, veterans, but also to to the First World War uh, boys as well. Well said, Carolyn, definitely. And it'll be an honour to see our boys wear that Bondi blue jersey on Sunday in honour of all those men that fought gallantly for our country. Absolutely. I can hardly wait. I'm counting down the hours. Well, thank you so much, Carolyn, for your time today. And let's hear those three famous words from Ray Steer. Easter win, that's for sure. Thanks, Carolyn. Thanks so much. (laughs) Pleasure. Bye now. Well, Roosters fans, this Sunday, greatest day in our nation's history. It's the day we honour the Anzac spirit, Roosters versus Dragons, and what a game of footy. It's probably my favourite of the year. Uh, You know, regardless of grand finals and state of origins, I think it's equal to those, especially the way we honour our country uh, and those who served us uh, right across both nations of Australia and New Zealand. And we get the pleasure of playing the Dragons every year, and it's such a mouth-watering contest. You know what I like most about this, Bush? Obviously, there's all the fanfare. There's the flyover. There's the helicopter that, you know, in past seasons have dropped the trophy off to the ground. You know, you're quite emotional when they play the last post, but Mm. further to that is the fact that they play both national anthems. I think it's really important that we acknowledge the great work that the uh, New Zealand servicemen and women have done, uh, you know, as part of the Anzacs. And I think it's a great offering by uh, the NRL that we play both the New Zealand and the Australian national anthems on that day. 
Really looking forward to it. The history of this game is, I mean, it just pays respect to the sacrifice of the Anzacs. And as we heard earlier from your mum, Carolyn, the, just the history of it, the colour they're going to be wearing on Sunday, I'm really pumped for this game. Yeah, and I think it's nice to see the current uh, servicemen and women, you know, really getting on and, and getting rid of the spirit. I love seeing kids with their grandfather's medals on. And I think it's the day in our nation's history that, you know, long live it and may it just continue to expand and grow. I think the highlight for me is, as you said, Bush, uh, meeting some of the, the serving men and women, you know, be it in the Army, Navy, Air Force, and they take pride, you know, in, in showing off their medals. In fact, only a couple of years ago, we got to meet the VC recipient who no longer w- was with us. He, he passed away in the Theatre of War, but his dad wore the medals proudly on the day. And I, I have to say that was quite a uh, experience to hear him talk about his son uh, up there at the Captain's Club. So, yeah, a lot to like about the Sanzac Day match. Bells, there's a few talking points. Yes, well, as we all know, we have a few injuries, unfortunately. Siwa will be out. Hargraves, big question marks over him as well. Yeah. So Lindsay Collins and, uh, you know, the rest of the pack are going to have to stand up. Liu's been playing outstanding as well. But Radley? Yeah, contesting. Contesting, contesting yeah. Trying to get it downgraded. So if we come through with that, which I'm fairly confident we will after seeing the footage, hopefully, yeah. in my opinion, <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah, if that's successful, he'll be available to play, which we definitely need him. I hope he is, Mm. What this does, guys, is opens the door for some more young blokes. So Fletcher Baker, we saw him score on debut the other week. Hasn't seen much football since. Bush and I stood next to him at the airport um, there last Saturday when he came off the plane. Just a a strapping young lad. Just a big monster of a kid. Also, we may see the debut of young Egan Butcher. He's sitting there waiting in the wings, waiting for an opportunity. It may present itself this week. But whoever Robbo uh, selects, no doubt, will uh, will stand up in this all-important game. Well, I think it's amazing that Robbo has to make a decision like this just due to injury and potential suspensions. Imagine being a young rooster. You know you're about to get there. What a game to make you debut. Oh, Unbelievable. <laughs> you know I mean, as the, as the cards fall, you've waited forever and, and time. Egan Butcher comes to mind. Yeah. What a great opportunity for him. So good luck to whoever does get named on Wednesday. Uh, key matchup spells. I'm really looking forward to seeing Crichton take on Sims. I think that'll be a great matchup, the back rowers. Silky? Uh, look, I like Dufty v Teddy. Mm. But uh, for me, it's Rawalawa. I hope I said that correctly, Ravalawa, Ravalawa, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, up against big, boy. big man, uh, you know, he'll be, I dare say, up against Tupu, so interesting matchup, those uh, those two big boppers. Yeah, Tupu will handle him, get him in the height at least, but yeah. uh, he's the power, he's, he's strong. Lomax versus uh, Jamos, that'll be interesting, the uh, young Lomax is a great young player of the future, and uh, he represents what Jamos was at the Dragons, I guess, many years ago, you know. Yeah, so, and a defensive centre too. Yeah, yeah. going to be very exciting. Uh, score prediction, Bells, what are your thoughts, a bit of value? Historically, it's always a close game. I am picking 16 to 12. Yeah, I like it, Bells. I like it a lot. Look, I'm in and around that number. I think uh, Roosters may have a couple more tries than uh, the 16 points that you've allowed. So I'm going to say Roosters 20, Dragons 14. Yeah, for me, it's Roosters 18, Dragons 10. They won't get across our line for more than two. 18, 12, Lomax is a good kicker. Well, that's it for this episode of Roosters Radio. We want to thank our special guest, Josh Morris, and the one and only first woman mayor of Waverley, Bush's mum, Carolyn Markham, for sharing some great stories about the Anzac Day jersey. That's it for this episode of Roosters Radio. East to win. win.